what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks is the, this cycle of victorious giving. Now, as soon as you hear that, you all reach to make sure I haven't got my hand in your wallet. There is so much more that we give than our money. However, money is part of it. Finances are a part of it. The sermon this morning is about trust. Trusting to live. Giving actually connects us to God in ways that you may or may not understand. may have not thought about this this way before. I'm going to encourage you to read chapter 37 of Psalms. Uh, there's a guy, and right now his name escapes me, but he, he wrote a book called Vic- The Cycle of Victorious Living. Living. And he based it on Psalms 37. And if you read through Psalms 37, you're going to see all of these words that are written about the wicked, the ungodly, and you're also going to see all the things for those who are followers of Christ. I'm going to just read the first seven verses, and we'll be focusing on verse 3. The last few weeks, actually, if you recall, I've been focusing on verse 4 of this very chapter. Starting at verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious towards wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass, and they will fade away like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret or worry because of Him who prospers in His own way, because of the man who carries out his wicked schemes. And it could go on and on and on talking about how to live and to get our eyes off of those in the world who uh, maybe even look like they're prospering in their wickedness. I want to look at verse 3, though, a little bit more as we go through this. Trust in the Lord. Trust. It's a key word, obviously, the Lord, who we can trust in. And then the Living Translation says, then you will live safely in the land and prosper. You will live safely in the land and prosper. And it's interesting, when you read it in all the different translations, Um, In in my New American Standard, it says cultivate prosperity. But if you do a study on the word that's prosper there, you'll see that the primary meaning of it has to do with truth of God or faithfulness of God. What would that verse read like if we put that faithfulness of God in there? Trust in the Lord and do good. And then you will live safely in the land and the faithfulness of God. Of God. What a promise as we trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in Him and do good. You know, living the abundant life in Christ is what the mission of this church is, you know, to help people discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. Well, the abundant life in Christ cannot begin unless you first trust in the Lord. You know, to have trust and confidence in God. Sometimes we, we say or we go through circumstances that make that seem like a really difficult task. 
But it's a good time when, when we're in that place, we remind ourselves, I am trusting in the Lord for my eternal well-being. I am trusting in Him for my salvation. There's no one here or anywhere else that can become a child of God without first trusting in Him. Trusting in who He is and what He did. So if you are a born-again believer, if you're really saved, you have put your eternal destiny on the line by trusting in Him. Trust. To trust Him like that, you have to have a correct perspective of who God is and then to trust Him in all things, which is the process we should all be moving in as we grow in our relationship with God. If I can trust Him for my salvation, shouldn't I be able to trust Him for everything else? There is nothing else of equal or greater importance than our salvation. But it seems like we can trust Him for that, but there gets to be a lot of things in our life that we have a hard time trusting Him for. God has promised in His Word that His children will prosper and that He will definitely take care of His own. I want to just look at the word prosper for a moment. There's been a ton of teaching on prosperity. And I believe there's been a ton of error in both directions. The concept that prosperity means we're all going to be rich, we're never going to be sad, we're never going to be challenged, we're never going to be tested, we're never going to be in pain, I think is bogus. Equally bogus is the concept that we're supposed to live in some sort of spirit of poverty, in want and lacking, to be that poor, downtrodden Christian that doesn't hardly dare smile. Totally not right. It helps me to think of prosperity this way. Having all my needs met, I am prospering. All my physical needs, my spiritual needs, my emotional needs met. I am prospering. I asked an old saint that used to go to this church. She's in heaven now with the Lord. Mike's mom, Luella. She was always talking about prospering and prosperity to me. And finally one day I said, Luella, define it for me. Because Archie and Luella didn't have a lot materialistically in the world's eyes. But she lived by faith, walked by faith, and believed that she was being prospered by the Lord every day. And she just simply said, Mike, to prosper means my needs are being met in every way. And that really resonated with me, and as I started looking through the scriptures, it really resonated with me as a truth. So my goal, of course, is to try to be balanced. If you're over here on that prosperity thing or over here on the prosperity thing, you're probably not going to be very happy with me because I'll probably offend both sides. But I've done that before, right? When he prospers us, get a few things straight right away. He never does it in a cookie-cutter manner. We don't all prosper the same way. So get your eyes off of somebody else and get your eyes on yourself and see how he is prospering you because he's going to do it differently in every person because every person he has called and equipped and gifted differently. And he's going to prosper them, meet all their needs according to what he's called them to, gifted them to, the talents that he has. And he can do whatever he wants, God, 
whenever he wants. And he can package it any way he'd like. And I pray for God to meet my needs in some ways that I'm defining the packaging for him. And it seems like inevitably when I do that, I'm a little disappointed. Instead of just saying, you know, Lord, you know my needs. God, it appears to me I have a need in this area. I'm going to trust you for it. Whatever kind of package it comes in, whatever it looks like, whenever you want to give it to me, however it comes. You know, Marge was a great example. You know, for those of you that don't know, uh, her car kind of started on fire here just on the other side before you even get to the highway a few weeks back. And it was blessed. It was fixed. Then she looked at the car and somebody, a mechanic, told me, this thing's just waiting to die. It's just looking for a place. So she couldn't really travel, didn't dare to travel. Started trusting for the Lord to provide her transportation. You know, in our culture, you need transportation. And we tried in a couple different ways, and it just didn't seem to come together quite right. Pastor Bob and Ernesto had been working on this. And then all of a sudden, another sister in the Lord says, Hey, we've got this van. You know anybody who could be blessed by me giving them a van? just so happened we knew somebody that could be blessed. And Bob and Ernesto took over. So God can do it however he wants. But he promises his children he will meet their need. You know, in the economy of God's kingdom, we do not give to get. We give to give. We give because we love God. We give because we trust God. And we give because we're loyal to God. But even though I don't give to get, I do give with an expectation of a return. Because he promises me I can't outgive him. But there's a difference there, and it might seem like I'm parsing a word there, but to give with an expectation of a return is me just giving and believing by faith that he's going to be faithful to his word. If I start giving to get, I've got a bad situation going in my heart. There's a difference. And we're going to be looking at those kinds of things. We give because we love Him. And we believe that He will give us what we need out of the abundance that He has just at the moment we need it. Now I know, because I am going to be focusing primarily, well, more, more than the others, on finances in the next couple, three, four weeks. But it also includes our time, our talents, they're all equally important. But the one that seems to really, really challenge our heart seems to be in the area of finances. But equally important, when I trust God, God, I, I, need, I, need, a, I need a touch. I am, I am struggling. I, I, the joy is gone. He's the source of joy. He's going to give me what I need. Lord, I have no peace right now because all this seems to be crashing down around me. He's the source of peace. He says He will give me His peace. He will, he will do something in my heart by His Holy Spirit. Maybe I need to repent of something. Maybe I just need to step back and refocus on what I'm looking at and get my eyes off of the challenges I'm facing and get them back on the source, God. But He promises to meet our needs in all areas of our lives as His children. Generosity, I believe is absolutely a critical ingredient in experiencing the abundant life in Christ. Generosity. 
It's kind of the opposite of greed or self. And we know what the word says about self and selfishness. Generous people are blessed people. You know, how many of us could attest to the fact that that old that adage that we hear, it's, it's better to give than to receive, is true. Boy, it does something inside of me when I can give and pour out. And now, don't get me wrong, it's great to receive, but with the right heart. But there's something different about being able to just bless and to give. So our goal is to try to find a biblical balance. And everybody always says that, and you'd say, that's your balance, Mike, not mine. But I'm trying to give a biblical balance. I encourage you to read the scriptures, test it for yourselves, study it, make sure I'm not filling you uh, full of lies or heresy. But I want just to get this idea of what true generosity looks like. What true giving to give. Because we love God. Because we trust God. We appreciate his blessings. Because what we'll discover is there's a cycle of giving. God wants to pull you and me into his abundant giving. What I mean by that is, as I start giving, he pours more into me to give more. Boy, if I can go and speak love, all of a sudden I just fill with the love of Christ. If we can go and minister peace or joy or hope, he replenishes that. And in a natural way, I believe, it doesn't stop with spiritual. It goes into the, the natural, the, the material, temporal stuff too. He wants to bless us. And I can show you scriptures galore that attest to the fact that he wants to bless his people. So what we're really talking about and what I'm going to be talking is biblical stewardship. Stewardship of all that God blesses us with. Now, I know, or at least I know how my mind works. I know as soon as somebody starts talking about finances in a church, I go to the televangelist mentality. And I believe the enemy has used that lie in the the heads of pastors and teachers and in our own lives to keep us from studying and understanding that God has a lot to say about finances. Those who do these things say that if you look in the scriptures, you're going to find over 2,000 places where the Bible directly addresses finances and material goods. 2,000 places. That would seem to be a big deal to God. As a matter of fact, he even thought it was important enough to warn us in Scripture that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be found. So we're going to start looking at this cycle of giving, and we're going to start with trust as the doorway that we walk through. Trusting in God. The, the doorway to a successful living and giving is found in the text that I read today. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. That's an amazing promise. The, the looking at that scripture, if you really, really want to live, get generous. Trust in the Lord. We have to trust Him if we really want to live. We want to experience the abundant life in Christ. In Psalms 24, 1, it says, 
that tells us that God is a God of abundance. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Now that's called wealth. Everything. And I know our mind goes to materialistic things right away, but all the joy, all the love, all the peace, all the hope, all the patience, it's His. Everything that, he ha- everything that exists, He created it. It belongs to Him. It's all His. He owns it all. He created you. He created me. He owns us. We belong to Him. Like it or not, it's all His. Yet in spite of this truth, we find it difficult to trust Him. You ever notice that? Anybody here have a hard time trusting God for what you need in your life? Boy, oh boy, it doesn't take long. It doesn't sometimes seem like it takes much pressure at all. And our trust disappears. It's because trusting God is contrary to human nature. Look at the scripture. You don't have to go very far and you see Adam and Eve deciding to do their own thing. Trusting on their thoughts, their understanding, their knowledge, their own wisdom. Trusting. And we can see this in in different ways throughout history. Children of Israel were a great example. God just continually told them, blessed them, spanked them, got them back on track, told them again, and they just continually walked away. And they would trust on, I mean, they made a golden calf, for goodness sakes, and decided to worship it. They would quickly go to relying on their own understanding, their own way, way of thinking. The old man, that sin nature, or whatever you want to call it, really loves to express itself in an unwillingness, a rebellion, and grumbling and complaining. If that's us, we're not living the abundant life. We're living a life in bondage to strongholds. Even as a Christian who's accepted Jesus, we can still be living that kind of life on a day-to-day basis. And that's not where we want to live. Too often, I do this, I think all of us do, we put our trust in the wrong place in the wrong things. You know, we saw in Psalms, in one Psalm, chapter 20, it says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. Well, that's not got to do with me. Well, some trust in the government, some trust in politicians, some trust in other people, spouses, parents, some trust in the stock market, some trust in their checking account. Some trust in their education, their degrees. We put all our trust in all these wrong places. And we wonder why we're not at peace. No matter how, you know, anybody think like this, if I just had more money, I wouldn't worry so much about money. You are wrong. It might be directly proportional to how much you have, actually. Cow, I don't want to lose it all. Anybody pay attention to the stock market? If you do, that's because you got money in the stock market. Don't have any money in the stock market? Who cares? It's not going to steal my joy if it went down 170 points. Whatever a point is. What do you put your trust in? Political candidates? Bad idea. Now, I'm not saying any of these things are wrong things. 
We should be involved in the political and the leadership of our, our government? Absolutely. If you want to invest in the snark market and be a good steward of your finances that way, go for it. But when we start putting in our trust in any of those things, our eyes are off of God and we are living on thin ice. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also in me. Jesus himself said that. All those other things, putting your trust in everything else is just about a recipe to worry. Live in fear. How many of you get a little nervous when you look around the globe today and read the newspapers, watch the newspapers? Those are those things that used to be printed on paper. Now it's all digital. You read all that stuff and you just go into a funk wondering what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. As soon as I get my eyes on all that garbage, I can start worrying and fretting and get fearful and make sure i got enough money over here or I've got food in the basement over here. And I can go all kinds of crazy directions. And none of them are wrong until they're becoming your place of trust. Jesus is coming back. Does that mean we just take a laissez-faire attitude and just say whatever's going to happen is going to happen? No. We're called to be stewards. We're called to be involved. We're, we're called to be light and we're called to be salt. That will get us involved. But it's not our source. It's not in what we trust. Trusting God means we believe what we cannot see. It means God is at work carrying out His purposes even when we don't see the evidence of Him doing it and working in our daily lives. You ever ask yourself, God, where are you? I could use you about now. Where did you go? You on vacation or does someone else have more troubles than me and you haven't got time for mine? No. He's active in our life. He's aware all the time. He's working. You know, you might even be crying out for something like, uh, Lord, I could use some joy and peace about now. And it's been about three weeks, maybe three months, maybe three years, and you're going, where are you? It says you'll provide it. Well, you might be saying, I'm working on you. Quit looking at all that stuff and look at me. He's working on you. He's working on me. We need to realize, even when we can't see it, we've got to trust Him. We can trust Him. He's worthy of being trusted. Faith, in Hebrews 11, a scripture you've probably all heard many times, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And trust is the basis of faith. And I could go through a number of the Old Testament people that we could look at. Noah, he's one of my favorites. Most of us know the story of Noah, right? Noah, build a great big boat. Because I'm going to put a flood on the land and destroy everything. And when you're finished, get two of every kind and bring them to the boat. Put yourself in Noah's mindset if you can. What's a flood? It's going to rain. What's rain? Hadn't rained yet. God watered the earth from the ground up. A boat? I'm hundreds of miles from the nearest sea. What am I gonna, how am I going to get the boat to the sea? And even if I can get all that done, God, have you seen how many animals there are? And they don't come running to people. They run away. Faith. Trusting God. He had a bunch of excuses that he could have used. Instead, what did he do? He built a boat. He trusted God. And we could go through and look at Abraham, go to this country, where it doesn't matter, I don't know. Moses, 
Can you imagine when Moses got to the Red Sea? Okay, Lord, we're in big trouble now. How are we going to get across here? We're going to get slaughtered by the Egyptians. I don't know that he knew when he raised his staff what God was going to do. He just did it. He had faith in God. You and I can face problems and troubles that are just like that Red Sea. We don't see any way across it. We don't see any way through it. We don't see any way over it. And then all of a sudden we get through it and we look back and say, wow, I can't believe what God just did. What do you mean you can't believe what God just did? God is the God of the impossible. All things are possible with God. Trusting God reminds us who the sovereign one really is. He's sovereign. We're not. When we look at all the things going on in the world, and we keep saying, why can't people fix it? Well, the problem isn't usually what we're seeing. They're symptoms of a much deeper problem. What's going on in the Middle East or in our cities and in the inner cities is a spiritual problem at its root. Spiritual problem. We need God. We need people who have accepted Jesus and have the love of the Lord in their heart. You know, people are doing all this evil in the name of God. They do not know the God of the Bible. The problems, we need to keep our eyes on Him. You know, and when we trust God, this can be a challenge too. Because I'm so smart, I usually know what's best for me. Anybody else like that? We, part of trusting God is knowing that He knows what's best for me. And He's a good God. He will not bless us or give us things for our detriment. He does it because He's a good God and wants to bless us. Trusting Him completely means He knows what's best for my life. And this is where you might disagree with me wholeheartedly. I believe that helps me understand why there's times I'm having to suffer, struggling emotionally. Why there's painful things going on in my life. Because God knows the good thing that I'm going to get out of that. Now don't get me wrong, he's not the author of sin, sickness, disease. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying he knows what's good for me. He knows how stubborn I can be. How self-focused I can be. And he knows that it sometimes it takes a lot to get my attention. And he wants my attention. He wants me focusing on him. And sometimes, you know, as a parent, have you ever had to inflict any type of pain, emotional, physical, or otherwise, on your children because you love them more than you can imagine, they can imagine, and you know they need to experience a little suffering and pain so that they will be blessed and receive the good thing that you have for them? If you have never done that, you've spoiled your kids rotten and it won't be good. God will use those things to bring good things into my life. I'm going to read a quote from a book called Trusting God. The author is Jerry Bridges. Here's what he wrote. Trusting God does not mean we do not ever experience pain. 
It means that we believe God is at work through the occasion of our pain for ultimate good. It means we work back through the scriptures regarding his sovereignty, his wisdom and goodness, and ask him to use those scriptures to bring peace and comfort to our hearts. It means, above all, that we do not sin against God by allowing distrustful and hard thoughts about him to hold sway in our minds. It will often mean that we have to say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. In Proverbs 3, it says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. I'm reading from the message, by the way. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on the right track. Trusting God verifies that He truly is your source and you're not just giving it lip service. Trusting Him. It is so easy to say, yeah, everything I have belongs to God until somebody wants something or needs something or God puts something on your heart. God, you're the source of everything. Yeah, but I just lost my job. My wife and kids are going to starve to death. No, he's our source. Not even my job is my source. He is. We need to look at these things and understand. In Deuteronomy, Moses reminded us, he says, look around you, everything you see is God. The heavens above and beyond the earth, everything on it belongs to him. It's all his. And when we put our trust in him, and we take that initial step to put our trust in him, in this invisible God, this invisible Lord, and really acknowledge that he's the one that's sovereign, he can and does supply out of his abundance. He will meet our needs. He is a giver, not a taker. He is a giver. James, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift coming down from the Father. Every kind of takes the guesswork out of it, doesn't it? It's, everything is from every good and perfect gift. And he has an abundant supply of everything. Of everything that we would ever need. And he tells us in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things we, we need will be given unto us. Seek his, so much of the time, when I am in painful, miserable, rotten situations, so much of the time, it's what I've sown and I'm now getting to reap. You know, when I'm not seeking Him, when I'm not trying to obey Him, when I'm out there doing what I want to do, doing what the flesh wants to do, trying to satisfy the appetite of my flesh that never, ever, ever gets enough of whatever it wants. And then I turn around and say, God, get me out of this mess. And the Word of God says, submit to God. Then resist. And things will turn around. And I truly believe this, that God wants to connect you and me to his giving. He's going to give through his people so often. I'm not limiting the Holy Spirit. A lot of our spiritual needs, emotional needs, the Holy Spirit's involved. But when it comes to material needs especially, financial needs especially, God is going to work through people. And he wants to connect us to his supply. We're part of that 
cycle of meeting people needs but there are a couple things three things i'm going to give you but i'm not going to go into them they could all be a sermon on their own that are principles about god's supply one we reap what we invest the bible says the wicked man earns deceptive wages but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward when we invest when we give we can have expectations of a return expectations we reap in god's time when you go through the scripture there's a time zone that i don't really care for we live in central standard time or central daylight time here in the scripture it seems to be the primary time zone that god works in is called due time in due time god now in due time jesus came when in due time Guess when he's coming back? In due time. Anybody tells you you don't know when he's coming back? Say, you're wrong. I do too. He's coming back in due time. When we look at Scripture, we need to understand we're not controlling God's schedule. He is. And then third one, we reap more than we invest. Praise the Lord for that. We reap more than we invest. In Matthew 11, or 13, excuse me, there's a parable about the good soil. If you and I are good soil, we invest, we sow. It says it produces a crop a hundred, a sixty, and thirty times what was sown. The promises of God. I'm not giving to get, but I'm giving with an expectation that He will meet my needs according to His will, according to His purposes. And God pours out his blessings. I believe, again, wholeheartedly, that God wants to lavish his abundant supply on us, his children. But I don't think he's different than we are sometimes as natural. He doesn't want to spoil us rotten to our detriment. But you know what? Don't we love to bless our kids as long as we know it's going to bring about good in their lives? I'm not going to bless our kids if we believe it's going to be a detriment in their lives. And God is way better at this than us. He, is, he, he desires to pour out His blessing. The Word of God is full of His promises to bless His people. Amen? It's everywhere. Genesis to Revelation. It's everywhere. But there are things that we think that would be really good, He knows would not be good. I always use the example of money because I've said this many times. I think God knows me well enough to know that I shouldn't probably be a billionaire. I think it would mess with me a lot. But he meets my needs abundantly. He meets my needs. Now, there might be somebody out here that could be a billionaire and and you could handle it. And I know God's grace is sufficient in all things, but I don't know. Boy, it'd have to take some grooming in me for me to handle that. But somebody can, and that's who we may bless to be that person. So in Luke, it talks about him pouring out his blessings. It says, if you, if you then, meaning us as people, though you are evil in our old nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I know it's talking about the Holy Spirit there, but I believe there's plenty of principles of the word to say it goes beyond just spiritual blessings. I believe that God is interested with our temporal needs. No doubt about it. And he wants to bless us. All of the things that we need for life, all the raw materials that we need for life, time, 
our health, family, friends, intelligence, skills, possessions, etc., etc., etc. He's been given them to us to manage. To manage them. We're to be stewards. Remember who everything belongs to? God. It's all His. He's blessed us. And He's saying, manage it well for me. It comes with that kind of responsibility. God has really loaned us what we have. And He says, be a good steward of it. Manage it well. In other words, as you're a good steward of it, as you manage it well, I will pour out blessing and you'll be pouring out blessing. You know, he tells the story, it's a parable of the, the men with the, the talents. Remember, he, 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 the, the, the landowner gives five talents to this guy and he gives two talents to this guy and he gives one talent, that's a sum of money. Let's, we, let's just put something in there we understand. He gives $500 to one guy, $200 to another guy, and he gives $10 to the third guy. And he says, I'm going to go away on a trip and when I come back, I want you to give me back what you've got. Well, the one that was given five had ten. The one that was given two had turned it into four. The one that had been given one went into his backyard and dug a hole, put a coffee can with the one talent in it and buried it. Hoarded it. Didn't want to lose it. If you read the parable, you'll discover God didn't have a whole lot of good things to say to the one who hoarded it and buried it in the backyard. If I remember right, there was something about darkness and gnashing of teeth. We need to be good stewards of all that he's given us, all he has blessed us with. As we are good stewards of it, he will continue to bless us. You know, I've been talking the last number of weeks about how life is an adventure. A Christian life is an adventure. You know, when you know the heart of God, you're delighting in him, go do something, it's an exciting adventure you'll enjoy. Well, it's also an adventure in the spiritual responsibility of all the things that God blesses us with. You and I have amazing opportunities to handle what God gives us, to use it for good or for evil. And when we do good and give back to God, I believe we're initiating a flow of his blessings. Think of the person who had this van. Contacts me. Like to give a van. I go to Bob and Ernesto because I know they're already working on, on some kind of vehicle situation. And this thing goes. And, and I'm blessed. I am greatly blessed by the generosity of this person who came and said, does anybody need a van? God, I was blessed. And I went to Bob and passed on that blessing. And they've been working on this car and it just wasn't quite coming together. And all of a sudden, here it is. They're blessed. And they get to drive it over to Marge's place. And not only give it the van, but out of the generosity of their hearts, they even did more above and beyond. They're passing on the blessings of God. That's how it works in God's economy. Hoarding in the Bible is not looked upon well. I could go into a parable, but I'll just leave it at that. We need to remember, we can initiate the flow of his blessings. Remember in Corinth, Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. I like that. The cycle of victorious giving doesn't start till we trust God. 
when we trust the God of abundance that he can supply, we can embrace this challenge of giving. You know, the church in Corinth, well, let me just read what Paul said. In everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, Paul is saying, you guys are an awesome church. But he also felt it was important enough to instruct them this way. Make sure that you also excel in the grace of giving. Giving is a grace to give. Give of your time. Give of your talents. Give of your material goods. Give of your finances. Be sure that you, do it, that you give. You know, think about it. If we can trust him with our very eternal security, why can't we trust him with the other stuff? Why can't we commit all of our resources to him? They're his anyway. In giving to God, and I probably could elaborate on this better, but I'm not sure how. I want to go back to this giving to God and expecting a return. The Bible's clear that when we give out of a right heart, we can expect in return. That doesn't mean I, I have a need for $1,000, so I'm going to give $100 and say, God, I want the $1,000. No. But if I have a financial need and I feel prompted to give some money away, I'm going to do it because he's going to, prompt, he's going to, going to fulfill his word, his promises. So I don't expect him to necessarily drop $100 or $1,000 in my wallet. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to package it. But I'm going to give expecting. That expectation is not because I deserve it. It's because I know who he is. I know his word. I know his promises. You know, you can't outgive God unless you're giving for selfish reasons. When our heart is right. You know, the prophet Malachi spoke and in Malachi 3 verses 8 through 12 he says this will a man rob God yes yet you rob me but you ask how do we rob you God in your tithes and offerings you're under a curse the whole nation of you because you are robbing me bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the Lord God Almighty And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines your fields. And he goes on. Can we trust God? Will you dare trust him for your salvation? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's a trust issue. Is he who he said he is? Did he die on the cross for our sins? You cannot live and enter the abundant life unless you do it in Christ. Trusting him first and foremost. Committing your life to him. Giving your life for his life. Then will you commit your finances to him? A lot of us struggle in the area of finances and I believe one of the biggest reasons is the spiritual reason. Our attitude is wrong towards the finances. We're looking to it as our source. 
our motivation is coming out of self or greed or materialism. And it needs to start there. And God says, test me in this. See if I'm not trustworthy. Give out of what I have given you. Pass on the blessings. Release greater blessings. Does he have a reward for us or not? I'm going to jump back to a scripture for Elodie back there in Luke 6.38 when we can expect a return from God. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now that scripture gets used a lot of different ways. Here's what I believe it really means. When you give out of a generous heart, when there's a time in your life that you have a need, he's going to pour more blessings into your lap than you can carry. And I think you can see it played out in the natural. Somebody who's just a generous person, they've given and given and given and given, and all of a sudden there's a need in their life, and the whole doggone neighborhood shows up to help them. More people come than can help. They're in the way even. And that's what you know, God is going to give it to us. And that whole good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Picture a, a wine press or something, if you would. I mean, he's going to fill it up, press it down, make more room. There's going to be more than you need. Put it in your lap. In those days, they had a big pocket in their, the front of their apron. And it's going, to, it's going to fill it up with more blessings than you can possibly carry. Out of a generous heart, you will receive great blessings. The cycle of victorious giving. Once you start that, you've taken a big step in a spiritually rewarding journey that will lead to a life of abundance in greater and greater ways. Your generosity in God's hands can impact the kingdom beyond what you can even imagine. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I pray that the words that you've had me share this morning, God, uh, you will use them. God, if there's areas where I'm not understanding, I pray you would cause them to be harmless, fall to the ground. God, I pray that we would catch your generous spirit in even greater ways. God, we have such a generous group of people here meeting people's needs. But God, take us to greater and greater levels of generosity that we would be even bigger conduits of your blessings into the lives of other people. And God, give us that right heart by your Holy Spirit that as you pour blessings into our life that we don't grab a hold of them and try to keep them for ourselves, but we pass them on wherever you show us a need, wherever you give us an opportunity. Lord, I thank you and praise you that we are a church, a body of believers who love the Lord and love other people. God, help us to become known as that church who is also generous and meeting the needs of all who come across our paths. And Lord, now I pray that as we go this week, you will bring those opportunities across our paths to, to sow generously into people's lives. Maybe it's a hug. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe we're going to give somebody some money. Maybe we're going to give them a ride that takes us out of our way. Maybe we're going to to take the very coat off our back and give it to them. 
But Lord, I pray you would provide those opportunities, give us eyes to see, and give us your heart to meet those needs. We ask all this, that you'd be glorified in it, in Jesus' name. Amen.